The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, guys? Sorry for the late episode, but here we are. Week 6 review for the fourth phase. Uh, the Bears let me down again. Uh, so did the 49ers and the Eagles. Uh, put heavy points on both of them to win this weekend, and they let me down. Uh, I only think I put like four or something like that on the Bears, so it wasn't the biggest heartbreak points-wise for to watch them lose that game to the Vikings. But the, uh, I mean, I guess the team I'm most disappointed in would probably be the 49ers because they had a chance to win at the end of the game, whereas the Eagles just got beat uh, by the Jets. Uh, we'll talk about the 49ers and the Jet and the uh, in the Eagles. In the uh, pick six, but uh, you know the uh, the bear game, yeah, how annoying! Our first home game after beating uh, the uh, Commanders on Thursday night football. Our first home game since the death of Dick Butkus. We're wearing the patch on the chest with the fifty one uh, on it. His his number is painted on the field. Uh, you know the 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 patch is painted on the field. I think they said at the ten yard line or something uh, like that, and. Uh, yeah, we, we it's like we regressed to, to, to that team that played against Kansas City. We couldn't block anybody. Uh, we knew what the other team was trying to do and couldn't stop it anyway uh, uh, and everything else. It was uh, beyond uh, frustrating. But that is just one of the 15 games that we're going to talk about. So let's go ahead and get started. This is the Week 6 review episode of the fourth phase. So let's get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. Really interesting week of uh, games this week for the NFL. Like I said, we had those those upsets to the last two undefeated teams uh, in the league, with the Eagles and the 49ers both being 5-0. And exiting the weekend five and one, uh, you got the, the 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 Seahawks and the Bengals was another put good choice uh, for the pick six. Uh, Washington responded with a win uh, after that big loss to the Bears with the win over Atlanta on the road. First home loss for the Falcons uh, this year. Let's see what else we had. You know the Ravens uh, beat the uh, beat the Titans overseas. Denver and Kansas City. Somehow, like nineteen to eight, and and you know the the biggest story there was that guess who was in the stands watching Travis Kelsey catch balls uh, all day. Uh, thought we might have like the biggest of big upsets on our hands with Carolina and Miami, with the Panthers winning the first quarter fourteen to nothing, only to have the uh, Dolphins come storming back and uh, to, to to bring the Panthers back down to reality and keep them uh, winless, which is huge for my Bears because that that means we still have the number one pick. Uh, in our hands. Um, let's see. Houston, I picked the Texans right. I, I picked them to beat the Saints, and they pulled it off uh, on Sunday. I don't know if the, if if Arizona has has kind of like lost their 
luster. But after going tooth and nail with the 49ers in like week four, you know, and the, the first four weeks of the season, uh, you know, they got beat late in the first two weeks. They beat the Cowboys week three. They were down five in the going into the fourth quarter with the 49ers. And then the 49ers shut them out in the fourth quarter and pulled away. The last two weeks, they haven't been that that plucky team that won't go away. They got they got rolled by the Bengals last week, and they got beat up by the Rams this week as well. So maybe it just took that four weeks for the NFL to figure them out. I don't know if Arizona's suffering injuries, if that might be something that has to uh, do with their, you know, I mean, they're one in four, or actually they're one in five now, but, you know, you don't really want to call it a decline when you're one in five. It's just that they were giving themselves a chance in the first four weeks winning one of those games, but uh, the last two weeks they got beat by the, the Bengals and the uh, and the Rams. So, And then everybody's making a big stink today on Tuesday with the, the Charger lady and how she was, uh, you know, react like living and dying with the Chargers in the Monday night game. I even saw she made it onto the Pat McAfee show uh, today uh, and everything's making me want to go to a game and act like an asshole on television, see if I can, you know, get on the Pat McAfee show. Not saying she was acting like an asshole, saying like, that's what I would have to do to, uh, you know, to get myself on the, to get myself on the show or to make enough of a noise that a camera just can't stop looking at me, uh, kind of thing. She was genuinely wrapped up, uh, in the game. Uh, people thought she was a plant by the NFL or something like that. It's ridiculous. But anyway, guys, let's go ahead and get the show underway. And as we do on the uh, review episodes, we start with the all-out blitz for week number six. All-out blitz for week number six. We started Thursday night in Kansas City with Taylor Swift in the house. Travis Kelsey caught nine balls for 124 yards to add to Mahomes' 306 on the day. But it was the defense that was on point Thursday night, holding Russell Wilson to 95 yards passing and the Broncos to 197 total. Forced three turnovers in a 19-8 win over the Broncos. Baltimore at Tennessee in the UK. Now, it's rare that kickers actually need a shower after a game, but Baltimore's Justin Tucker needed one in London after kicking six field goals for most of the Ravens' points on Sunday. The Raven defense spent the afternoon in the Titan backfield, sacking uh, Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis six times on Sunday as Tennessee couldn't get the offense off the ground once again in their 24-16 loss to the Ravens. Minnesota at Chicago, God help me. The Bears won a game last week, and because they look good doing it, I was fooled into picking them to beat the Vikings on Sunday. Well, the joke was on me as the Bears' offense regressed under the pressure of Minnesota's blitz package and got Justin Fields hurt in the process in their hard-to-watch 19-13 loss to the Vikings. And in other news, I hate my life. Carolina at Miami. Bryce Young and the Panthers got off to a hot start, scoring twice and leading the Dolphins 14-0 at the end of the first quarter. But the Dolphins then went on a 42-7 run to bring the Panthers back down to reality with Tua, Raheem Mostert, and Tyreek Hills putting up big numbers for the 5-1 Dolphins, 42-21. Indianapolis at Jacksonville, both 3-2. and two. The Colts came into town looking to snap an eight-game losing streak in Jacksonville without the injured Anthony Richardson. Travis ATM scored t- two touchdowns in 16 seconds thanks to an Indianapolis fumble, and the Jacks never looked back, and the streak now stands at nine with Jacksonville's 37-20 win over the Colts. 
New Orleans at Houston. Derek Carr and the Saints generated 430 yards of offense, but only managed 13 points on Sunday. Texans QB uh, C.J. Stroud finally threw his first pick as a pro, but he also added two TD passes to Dalton Schultz and Robert Woods to offset that and give the Texans a 20-13 win over the Saints. New England at Las Vegas. Jimmy G was knocked out of the game with a back injury after one half of play. The Patriots ended a 10-quarter scoreless streak in the second quarter, but their 17 points was not enough to get past the Raiders. 17, or excuse me, what was it, 21 to 17 or something. I forget what the score was. Sorry, guys, but I got the pick right. I picked the Raiders. Arizona at the Rams. Helps when you write the score down, doesn't it? First half was a back-and-forth defensive struggle with the Cardinals taking a 9-6 lead into the break. But in the second half, the Cardinals continue to struggle on offense, going scoreless, while the Rams' offense uh, took off with two TDs and two Brett Maher field goals, giving L.A. the 26-9 win at home. See, you write the score down, you can get it right. The Giants had Buffalo on Sunday night football. The Giants' defense, uh, defense was firing on all cylinders, keeping the Bills off the board until the first play of the fourth quarter. But down 14-9, a pass interference call gave the Giants an untimed down at the one-yard line. But Tyrod Taylor's pass to Darren Waller was unsuccessful as the Bills held on for the 14-9 win over the Giants. And finally on Monday night, the Chargers were coming off the bye. The Cowboys were coming off a beating at the hands of the 49ers. Surprisingly, this was a back-and-forth, mostly defensive affair that was tied at 17 with seven minutes to go. Dak led the Cowboys on a 14-play, 54-yard drive to take the lead on a 39-yard Brandon Aubrey field goal. Stephen Gilmore, uh, Stephon Gilmore picked off Justin Herbert to quash the comeback attempt as the Cowboys held on for the 20-17 victory over the Chargers. Yeah, so there you go. When you write down the score, you can tell people what it was. I have still to I, I have no I think it was 19. The 13, 19 to 14, I don't know what it was. I know that the they gave up a safety at the end, and that's I think that's how we got to 19 for the Steelers, or 19 gave them 21, whatever it was. The Steelers, won, or the Steelers, the Raiders won the game. That's what's important. But, uh, yeah, so that was the big six for week number six. Let's go ahead and dive into our, um, into our uh, pick six. We got uh, five interesting matchups uh, to get to. And, uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and dive into that. Five very interesting games in our pick six for week number six. And and just to give you guys a heads up, you know, I know it sounds odd to have five games in a segment called the pick six. Well, next week for week seven, we're going to have three because six teams are off on the bye. So that means there's only 13 games. And I want to keep 10 in the all-out blitz. And this was actually pretty helpful because there aren't a lot of interesting matchups in, in week number seven. Maybe it's just me, but uh, I had a hard time picking the three games, like outside of Miami and Philadelphia, which like I've been talking about for the last week or two, could be a Super Bowl preview. You're really kind of scraping the It's not like there are bad games. It's just like, what games do I want to devote like a few extra minutes to? And it was hard to find those other two. Uh, and then... Uh, you know, so it was like, yeah, it's easy to have 10 games for the all-out blitz, even though we've we've got 13 games uh, and we only need three for the pick six. I had a hard time finding those three. So thank God there were there were fewer games to deal with 
uh, you know, to, to try to pick six games to talk about uh, to do the pick six. Yeah, thank God I flipped the policy on that one. So we got our three games for next week. We'll talk about those uh, on Thursday. But um, first game in the pick six, uh, Atlanta at, or excuse me, Washington at Atlanta. The uh, Falcons, like I said, um, finally got a win uh, last week. And uh, over the Texans, kind of eked one out. Had to do a little come from behind uh, thing to uh, to get that win. And uh, the Commanders, famously, uh, losing to the winless Bears on Thursday Night Football, and uh, had ten days to stew over that loss. And then we're going into a place uh, on the road where the team hadn't lost a home game all year. So it was quite a task for the Commanders to have to uh, deal with. But, uh, you know, lucky for them, Atlanta's still struggling on offense um, because it uh, continued, and, and, and now they've started adding, turning over the football uh, to their offensive uh, repertoire. Desmond Ritter threw three interceptions uh, in this game, including the one that kind of sealed the victory for Washington uh, at the end of the game. Let's kind of go through it all here. Um, what really helped Washington, because when I was digging into the the stats, you kind of try to look, I mean, even though I watched the condensed version of the game, you're not really getting the full context of the game when you do that. Uh, you're getting a, uh, you know, a microwave version uh, of the game. They somehow took a three-and-a-half-hour broadcast and shrunk it down into 11 or 12 minutes. And um, so I was kind of looking at stats to try to see where the, uh, where the context was because the if you look at the stats, it tells you a completely different story than what, what took place on the field, and it was kind of a theme for the five games that we have in our pick six uh, this week. The funny thing was, the winning team uh, was, or the, the winning team did worse statistically than the team that beat them. Uh, you know, you look at Atlanta; they had more yards, more first downs uh, than Washington, but Washington came away with the win. Same thing. With Seattle, Geno Smith threw for like over 300 yards uh, in the game. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow didn't even break 200, but the Bengals won. Uh, same thing with, uh, no, actually San Francisco and Cleveland, that's where that one held. Uh, but like Philly and, and the Jets, Jalen Hurts threw for a ton of yards uh, and all that kind of stuff. There were there were a lot of games this week where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, this, uh, this team came out and, uh, you know, like whereas like last week the uh, Commanders – Sam Howell threw for nearly 400 yards uh, against the Bears, yet they lost by 20 points. They got doubled up uh, in that one. Uh, This week, let me pull it up real quick. Sam Howell, 14 of 23 for 151 yards, but three touchdown passes. Whereas last week it was 388 yards on like 51 pass attempts, no touchdowns, and and an interception. Is like so, you know. But on the other hand, Desmond Ritter playing for the losing team, three hundred and seven yards, two touchdowns, and then the big stat, three interceptions, which you kind of already uh, alluded to. So a very interesting kind of pattern that we saw. We'll see it again, uh, I believe, with Cincinnati and uh, Seattle here coming up in just a minute. But the context that I had found, I actually ended up finding in the in the video itself, was that Atlanta was shooting itself. Uh, in the foot, like Washington uh, overall, let me pull it up real quick. Washington only had 193 total yards 
on on Sunday. And yet, whereas the Falcons doubled them up at 402 total yards, only allowed 72 yards rushing to the Commanders uh, after the, uh, I believe, the the five sacks. They still sacked Howell five times. You know, you take his rushing total out of the passing yards, he only netted 121 yards uh, total uh, in the ball game, and yet they were the winning team uh, in this one. And as a matter of fact, I mean, it's just uh, to set up the first touchdown, it's like Washington scored every touchdown on a short field. Okay, a 61-yard punt return set up a three-play, 11-yard drive for Washington uh, in the second quarter because Atlanta scored a touchdown pretty much right away. And Washington added a field goal, but it was in the second quarter where the Redskins, the Redskins, the Commanders, God help me, uh, pulled away. And that 61-yard punt return set up that first touchdown drive. And then on another, then there was another short field thanks to the Commanders stopping Atlanta on fourth and three in their own territory. Uh, and then, again, interception of, of Ritter and the return gave the Commanders another short field at the 27, which they put into the end zone. Uh, again, so the first drive was was eleven plays, eighty two yards. That ended when when uh, Ritter threw it off his back foot on third and goal, and uh, you know got picked off in the end zone. So that was one thing was that the Redskins had all short fields to score their touchdowns on, and then Atlanta would come back and shoot themselves in the foot with the way that they were uh, you know turning the football. Uh, over 11 plays, 82 yards. I mean, that had to chew up a ton of time. Hold on, let me pull that up real quick. 11 plays, 75 yards. That was the touchdown. Yeah, they got a turnover on down. Gave it back to Washington at their own 48. So they were in uh, territory. Then they had a field goal, 10 plays, 46 yards, four minutes off the board. Had to settle for a field goal. And then in the second... Uh, yeah, in the second half, the fourth quarter was where it all went down, uh, really. Atlanta had chances, and they, they walked away with nothing on their three drives. They had three drives in the fourth quarter, uh, and, and those, those drives were interception, turnover on downs, interception. You know, the last drive for Atlanta started at their own seven-yard line, and they got all the way down to the uh, commander 34-yard line before Ritter was picked off for the third and final time to seal the game. It was uh, Yamin Davis, the linebacker, the much maligned linebacker. He was a first-round pick and, you know, hasn't really lived up to his uh, draft stock. But in that moment, he finally did. He stepped in front of a pass intended for B. John Robinson, and that was the ball game uh, right there. So, I mean, in, in on one hand, I mean, they just made things easier for Washington and made things hard. Uh, for themselves you know the three interceptions all came in the second half if I'm not mistaken yeah they did uh, the opening drive of the sec of the second half uh, Ritter gets picked off for the first time Washington takes that back for a uh, yeah started it started about midfield Washington turned that into a touchdown and then Washington was done scoring after that they took that first uh, you know interception two plays 27 yards boom they you know put that one in the end zone that was how the second half started. Then for Atlanta, it was punt, punt, and then they finally put their touchdown drive together. 12 plays, 81 yards, capped off by uh, a run for from uh, Algier from about, uh, oop, looking at the wrong thing. Uh, John Smith, two-yard touchdown. I was It's the end of the third quarter. 
So right at the start of the fourth quarter, they finally put their touchdown on the board. Uh, Washington punts almost immediately on the next drive, but that was the 11-play, 82-yard drive where Ritter got intercepted uh, in the end zone on like third and goal uh, to, to end that drive. They immediately get another three and out from Washington. They they get four plays and they move the ball two yards on those four plays. Have to give that ball back to Washington, who immediately turns it right back over by going three and out. Uh, Atlanta, a lot of really, actually, some really great time management from Atlanta because I was sitting here wondering when I'm looking at the the play by play and everything after I'd watched the game, and it was how is it that that late in the game, Washington ran three plays, they got two yards, but only took 24 seconds off the board. And it was, it was the, uh, they had two time, they had Washington, or excuse me, Atlanta had all three of their timeouts. On first and second down, they used their timeouts because uh, Washington ran the ball. And then on third down, for whatever reason, they decided to throw the ball and, <laughs> on uh, the, you know, it was an incomplete pass on third down, so they punt on fourth down, and the end result of that play is the two minute warning. So, yeah, they got a they got a freebie from Washington. Some bad uh, management, game management on the hand of on the on the uh, of Ferran uh, Rivera and everything. So, yeah, and then Atlanta takes the place. You know, starting at their own seven yard lines, made it. 59 yards down the field before Ritter got picked off by uh, Davis uh, intended for Bijan Bijan Robinson. So in a lot of ways, Atlanta was their own worst enemy uh, on Sunday, and those turnovers were absolute killers uh, in this one. It it wasn't so much that Washington made them pay for it uh, because they made them pay for the first one because that was their last touchdown uh, of the game to make it 24-10 at the start of the third quarter. And then, you know, the the defense for the Falcons really stepped up and shut Washington down because after their after that touchdown uh, in the th- start of the third quarter, the rest of the half, Washington, five plays, 15 yards, four plays, 20 yards, three, play, three plays minus six yards, and that was the drive after an interception. Um, three plays, two yards, 24 seconds. I mean, th- th- those were their final – the final drives where, you know, they're taking, I think, total, like rounding up three minutes, five, you know, two minutes, two minutes, half a minute. They had the ball for like six minutes total in the second half outside of that touchdown drive. And the touchdown drive was only 52 seconds because it was a short, uh, uh, a short field. They got the ball to the 27-yard line after the first Ritter uh, interception. So, Yeah. The Falcons' defense really stepped up uh, for basically for the majority of the second half, but it was their offense that couldn't get it done. You know, they did put the one touchdown drive together to gift themselves into a one-score uh, situation, but then it was interception, turnover on downs, interception, ball game. Commanders get the win, and uh, Atlanta gets their first loss uh, at home. Uh, now they're now three and one at home, and. Uh, I think they have to go on the road. Yeah, they're at Tampa Bay next week. And, and lucky for them, Tampa Bay lost, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. Uh, but lucky for them, they, that Tampa Bay lost. So this game could be for first place uh, in, the AFC, in the NFC South. So Washington, on the other hand, is at the Giants. And, uh, you know, that's uh, 
depending on which giant team shows up, that could be a good or a bad thing for the uh, commanders uh, on Sunday because um, if the team that played the first five weeks shows up, Washington should coast to a pretty easy victory. However, if it's the team that showed up yesterday, even with Tyrod Taylor uh, as their quarterback, um, the defense that held the the Bills to zero points in the two going into the fourth quarter, uh, that could be a problem uh, for Washington if they uh, don't come out with their you know what together uh, on Sunday. So, uh, but I I picked the Falcons to win that one. So uh, here's another theme uh, for the five games in our pick six. I got it wrong. Seattle at Cincinnati. This game was a lot of fun, actually. Seattle was coming off of the bye after annihilating the Giants on Monday Night Football and came out hot with an 11-play, 75-yard drive that was capped off by a one-yard Kenneth Walker uh, touchdown. Uh, You know, and you just kind of felt like, you know, here we go again as far as the, uh, oh, the Bengals are going to uh, regress again. Well, great. That's going to be awesome and, uh, you know, good for me because I picked Seattle to win. So, yeah, good for me. But, uh, but uh, you know, the Bengals did come right back, though, with a 13-play, 69-yard drive of their own. Uh, Burrow hit uh, Tyler Boyd for an 8-yard TD pass uh, to tie the game up. And, you know, in the second quarter, uh, Cincinnati scored again uh, after a Seattle punt. Another, this time, they only needed seven plays to go 73 yards for Burrow to find uh, and Andre, and I had to look this up, Yosivash, because his name is spelled like I-O-V, but somehow it's Yosivash is his name, uh, for a three-yard pass to take a 14-7 to lead. And then the second half make me grateful to not be a Seattle Seahawks fan. Because uh, if I was watching this one, having picked Seattle to win, even just as someone who picked Seattle to win a game in a confidence pool, would have pissed me off to watch it live. Because already knowing the outcome, I'm watching it, I'm sitting there, and uh, I'm like, man, this is, this is frustrating. But in the second, the second half is littered with missed opportunities uh, for Seattle. So they pick off Burrow on the opening drive of the second half, drove it right down the field, and were poised to take uh, the lead. They kicked the field goal just before halftime to make it 14-10. to 10. So they're, they, they're driving to take the lead, possibly at 17 uh, to 14. But uh, instead, Geno Smith gets picked off by Mike Hilton at the three-yard line to kill the drive. So a good punt return uh, later on in the game set them up in Bengal territory. They got all the way down to the Bengal five-yard line, but three, dry, three tries netted them zero yards, and they had to settle for a field goal to make it 14-13. to 13. So another missed opportunity there. Later on, 6 minutes, 17 seconds to go. Seattle goes on a 10-play, 50-yard drive that finds them in the end zone again. But six plays later, it's fourth and goal from the Cincinnati 6-yard line, only to have Geno Smith sacked to turn the ball over on down. So they come away with nothing there. And it's still 14-13. to 13. So they get a field goal, they tie, they take the lead. You know, that's it. But... uh Actually, I think it was 17 to 13 at that point. It was my mistake. So they're still down one, which makes sense why they would go for it. So I'm the dummy. But, uh, you know, and then Seattle had one final chance 
in the final minutes of the game. Their last drive got them all the way down to the Cincinnati yard line. But neither the third or fourth down pass attempts uh, were caught. The first one to DJ Metcalf. The other one, he got hit uh, when he was trying to throw, and it just kind of fluttered out of his hands, fell innocently uh, to the ground. Uh, you know, it just had to be frustrating to watch because Seattle didn't have a problem moving the ball. They just couldn't close. And uh, the Bengals deserve all the credit for their bend but don't break uh, a defense uh, in this one. You know, they gave up 381 yards of total offense to the uh, Seahawks, 24 uh, first downs. Seattle was 5 of 12 on third down, but the big stat here, they were 0 for 2 on fourth down. The Bengals held uh, on fourth down. Uh, in this one, and you know, the the Seattle had the ball nine minutes longer uh, than the Bengals did. Uh, Geno Smith, three hundred twenty three yards, but he had those two interceptions. Uh, Joe Burrow, only one hundred eighty five yards, but he had two touchdowns uh, in that. Geno Smith didn't throw a touchdown pass uh, in this one. It was Kenneth Walker's TD run, and then two field goals uh, from Seattle's kicker, uh, Jason Myers. That was all the points that Seattle could muster and it's like the opportunities were there it had to be frustrating uh to watch thankfully I knew the outcome and I knew that the Bengals had won uh the game but it's like if I was watching that live knowing that I've quote-unquote bet on Seattle that game would have frustrated the hell out of me it's like you just you know because their defense showed up in the second half Cincinnati only scored a field goal one field goal in the fourth quarter was was all that the uh the Bengals could muster uh, on offense, you know, statistically, the Bengals were very unimpressive. Joe Burrow, 24-35, 185 yards, but he had those two touchdowns. Joe Mixon was the leading rusher for the team with 38 yards on two carries. That's barely three yards uh, a carry. It's like after Jamar Chase, six catches for 80 yards, the next highest receiver is Tyler Boyd, who caught seven balls for 38 yards. Barely moving the chains there. You know, Joe Mixon had 24 yards receiving. T. Higgins had... Had 20. They're just, you know, they're not really getting it done. But they sacked Geno Smith uh, four times. They forced those two turnovers. That was the difference in the game. They really kind of buckled down. Like I said, it was a bend but don't break uh, kind of defense for the uh, for the Bengals. They're on a two-game winning streak now at 3-3. Three and three. They get next week off, uh, week number seven. Uh, Seattle goes home and will be taking on the Cardinals to uh, hopefully – get back to, you know, because they're 3-2 and two now. They want to be 4-2. It's not how you want to perform when you're coming off the bye to look as, uh, you know, disappointing uh, as they did. But uh, I I sat there and I looked at it because the, beauty, the beautiful thing about that Yahoo app is that it will let you make picks right up until kickoff. So if you hadn't made your pick, you know, or if I wanted to change my pick, I sat there and I looked hard at that Cincinnati game. It's like, do I want to take the Bengals? Do I want to look – no, I'm going to stick with, you know, it's like they beat the Cardinals last week and Seattle's way better than the uh, Cardinals. Uh, I was like, I just, I just don't see them beating uh, Seattle. So I'm going to stick with the, uh, with the Seahawks. Well, yeah, 0 for 2 in the pick 6 uh, for this week. So moving on, here's the teams that let us all down because I checked and everybody picked San Francisco, every one of us that are playing the pick'em game, pick the 49ers uh, to beat the Cleveland Browns uh, on Sunday. And if you guys remembered, 
I, you know, regaled saying that, uh, or, you know, regaled you guys with the reason was that, um, you know, I didn't think San Francisco would lose this game, especially since they didn't have a, you know, a, a big game coming up the following week. They're, they're at Minnesota for Monday Night Football next week. The 49ers are not sweating the Vikings. They really don't have anything to look forward to as far as their schedule uh, goes. Uh, and let me double check that real quick. Um, yeah, they got they had the Vikings, then the Bengals, maybe the Jaguars uh, in three weeks because they have the Vikings on Monday, they have the Bengals the following week, then they have the bye week, then they're at Jacksonville. But, I mean, they don't play the Eagles until, what, week six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12, week 13. So we're still six weeks away from them having this game where they're look past somebody. You know, they got the Bengals, the Jags, the Buccaneers, the Seahawks. And I'm sure they'll take the Seahawks game seriously because that's a division game. That's a big rivalry uh, for them. But as far as one that they would be looking past somebody, the Eagles is the game, but they got the Seahawks the week before. They're not going to sweat. They're not going to look past the Seahawks. So it's like, you know, but what concerned me about this game was how tough the Browns had been on defense. You know, it's like in the preview I mentioned that Cleveland had a lot to answer for after losing 28-3 to to Baltimore going into the bye week. Uh, and they would have more than their hands full with the 49ers who are averaging 33 points a game in their 5-0 and start. And, and on and, – and, to kick things off, it looked like it was going to be another rough day for uh, the Browns when the uh, 49ers went 85 y- 84 yards and only five plays to take a 7 nothing lead on uh, it was a shovel pass to Christian McCaffrey who ran it in for a touchdown. It really felt like more of a uh, here-we-go-again kind of moment. Like, oh, so, yeah, so much for that uh, that tough Cleveland uh, defense uh, showing up, or you know, or meeting the challenge kind of thing. Uh, PJ start PJ Walker was starting for the injured Deshaun Watson out the second week in a row now with the uh, shoulder injury. They thought that the you know maybe the bye week would be enough time for him to be ready, but he's not. So PJ Walker, who unsuccessfully signed a two year deal with the Bears in the off season and got cut uh, in the preseason, now playing for the. Um, uh, Browns was the starter for this game and then promptly threw a really bad interception to Fred Warner on his first drive uh, of the game. But he was rescued when rookie kicker Jake Moody missed the 54-yard field goal wide left to kind of forgive uh, the mistake. It was more of a no harm, no foul uh, type situation. Um, and after another 49er field goal later on made it 10 to nothing, the Browns finally came back with a five-play 83-yard touchdown drive that was capped off by Kareem Hunt's 16-yard touchdown run to make it 10-7 going into the half. So it was, uh, you know, they they Cleveland really kind of buckled down after giving up 84 yards in that first drive, and I think part of that was uh, a penalty as well. I think there was like an unsportsmanlike penalty on Cleveland that gave the 49ers a chunk of yardage. They didn't. You don't want to help that offense out, and giving them 15 yards, they just – they make you pay for that kind of stuff. And um, so, but it was only 10-7 at halftime, which was kind of head-scratching for how explosive the 49ers had been 
And, you know, Cleveland had an off day uh, against the, uh, the Ravens you know, with Lamar Jackson scoring four touchdowns uh, on them uh, in that game going into the bye. And, uh, you know, got to give credit to Jim Schwartz, the defensive coordinator uh, for the Browns. They had a plan for the 49ers. And after that opening drive, uh, they really buckled down uh, on the 49ers. And, um, you know, the Browns took their opening drive of the second half and tied it up with a, with a field goal. So here we are. Now it's a tie ball game. You know, the 49ers are, it's 0-0 uh, again. And here we are. The 49ers haven't really run into anything like this uh, this year. But the, the 49ers retook the lead after a interception from Diamador Lenore and uh, returned it 28 yards to the 8-yard line from, for Cleveland. So first and goal from the 8 for the 49ers. One play later, Jordan Mason runs it in to make it 17-13 uh, to 13, uh, for the Niners. Um, the uh, Browns would add another field goal, make it 17-16. And then the Cleveland defense forced the three and out, giving the Browns the ball back with 2.56 to go in the game at their own 26-yard line. Now, here's where the controversy comes in, and I'm sure if you know any 49er fans, you've heard about this. Um, On that drive, three plays into the drive, it looks like the 49ers have held. You know, a third and 10 pass attempt from uh, P.J. Walker to, uh, I believe, uh, was it Moore, Elijah Moore, the one that they got from the Jets in the in as part of the? Uh, oh no, no, no! They uh, used that pick to uh, get. Actually, that was the pick that uh, the Jets used to get Aaron Rodgers. That's what I'm thinking of, because they they traded a second round pick for Elijah Moore, which gave the Jets two second round picks, and they gave one of them to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. So that's the one I'm thinking of. But uh, anyway. Incomplete pass on third and 10, so now, okay, great. The 49ers have held. They have the lead, even though it's 17-16. They're still uh, winning the ball game. And instead, uh, safety to Sean Gibson, former Bear, was uh, flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct for hitting a defenseless receiver. And uh, it was uh, Kevin, uh, I always forget his last name. But he's the, he's the number one guy now that Joe Buck is gone. Him and Greg Olson, so the A-team for Fox, was calling the game. Kevin Burkhart, that's it. Kevin Burkhart uh, didn't like the call. Greg Olson, I mean, he's an offensive player, so he's kind of biased in that area. But he didn't like the call either. They asked uh, Blandino, the, uh, the, the official guy, and he was like, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's shoulder into, into body not helmet to helmet or you know or anything like that he was he looked like he also kind of was bracing for the impact so he wasn't defenseless anyway the call stood cleveland got a fresh set of downs and 15 yards they didn't earn what they did earn was eight plays later uh dustin hopkins added his last field goal from 29 yards out cleveland went on a drive after that uh after the the the, the referees gave him new life there and um now you got Cleveland ahead, 1917 with a buck 40 uh, to go in the game. But Purdy led the 49ers right down the field, even though they struggled the entire uh, football game after the opening drive to move it. And uh, he got him right down in the field goal range. So Purdy did his job. He got the offense where they needed to be. 
But uh, Jake Moody wasn't up to the task because he missed his second field goal of the game. This time it went wide right, so he got them both. He put one through the uprights right up the middle. He got one wide left. He got one wide light. He got the uh, wide right, so he hit the trifecta uh, on Sunday. And uh, But the uh, the two misses ended up costing them the game, giving the Browns uh, the upset over the 49ers, 19-17. to uh, 17. Uh, like I said, the 49ers are at Minnesota on Monday night uh, next week. Cleveland is on the road at Indianapolis, and uh, I am 0 for 3 in the pick 6. <laughs> Philadelphia at the Jets, and again, on paper, I really didn't feel like there was anything for Philadelphia to worry about. However, the reason that I brought the game up, the reason that I wanted to talk about it, in the pick six was because, unlike the 49ers, the Eagles do have a game that they would probably be more looking forward to than this one, which would label this one a trap game uh, for Philly because they have a national TV date with the Dolphins next Sunday. Sunday night football, Eagles, Dolphins, you know, they'll be 6-0. and The Dolphins will be 5-1. and This could be a Super Bowl preview. Or the Jets, who, you know, after losing Aaron Rodgers, have, you know, been the Jets, losing games and so on. But, you know, I felt that their defense with the Jets could make this a problem for Philly. It's like, but the game started in typical fashion for the Eagles this year where they kind of jump out to this early uh, lead. and then, But it's like they put together such an impressive lead to start the game that more times than not, they just kind of coast on that early lead uh, to the end of the game. They did it to New England week one. They did it to uh, Minnesota week two uh, and everything. They had to come back against the uh, commanders, but they went ahead and won that one uh, in overtime. So I'm not saying Philly hasn't been tested. It's just that, more times than not, they're, they're used to playing with a lead. So they went out and they got uh, 14 points uh, pretty early on, you know, two scoring TDs in their first three drives uh, of the game. And the Jets seemed to be moving the ball fairly well, but they had to keep settling for field goals in the first half as Greg Zerline hit from 43, 42, and 39, 35 to make it 14 to 9 uh, at, the, at halftime. And now, and in the preview, I said, the Jets' defense is good enough to be a problem, and they certainly were in the second half because they shut out the Eagles. The Eagles didn't score a touchdown, didn't score a point uh, in the second half. And the Eagles, six they had the ball six times in the second half, and their, their drives went as follows. Punt, punt, interception, missed field goal, interception, turnover on downs. That was the second half for the Eagles. Punt, punt, interception, missed field goal, interception, turnover on downs. And Hurts' third interception was a bad throw uh, right to the safety, Tony Adams. But he threw a bad interception, that third one. Because he threw one in the first half, and the two in the second half were really the murderers. And the third one was was a bad throw right to the safety, Tony Adams. And he ran it back 45 yards to the Eagle 8-yard line. And this was with a buck 50 to go in the game. So the Jets, who had who had added another field goal, down fourteen to twelve, a buck fifty, and they're at the Eagle eight yard line. Took them one play to get Brees Hall into the end zone 
uh, and they went for the two play two point play, and they got it. So now it's twenty to fourteen. And um, let me tell you, it was an interesting choice by the Eagles to be throwing in that situation, because on one hand, I get why they're throwing because it's third and nine. Uh, the Jets had no timeouts, and if they get the first down, the game is over. So I understand the impulse, but hindsight being twenty twenty, you run a draw play. You get as many yards as you can, use up as much po- clock as possible, and they were near midfield. They're near midfield, and, you know, so likely you punt them back deep with probably, what, maybe a minute to go in the game. They have no timeouts, and they have to go the length. They have to get at least a good 60 yards to get in field goal range, even for a kicker like Greg Zerline. So let's just say, you know, they're in between the 10 and the 20. They've got to go at least, they got to get to at least the 40-yard line, and that's to kick a 57-yard field goal. I don't know if Greg Zerline's got a 57-yard leg, but, you know, that's you got to get to the 40, maybe even the 35, because you're still that's still a 52-yard field goal. But, you know, probably feel a lot better about 52 than you do to 57. So you've got to get anywhere from, what, 60, 70 yards of, um, you know, offense. you got to get 60 yards. You've got maybe a minute to go. You got no timeouts. You got the Eagle defense breathing down your neck, who are probably pinning their ears and coming back, coming for you, uh, you know, to try to force a turnover or a bad throw or something like that to uh, to get the win. You know, I think that looks a hell of a lot more daunting than going for that pass on third and nine. And like I said, it was a bad throw, and he got picked off. He nearly ran it back for a damn touchdown, and instead. You know, they did put it in the end zone. They did take the lead. And uh, the next drive was a turnover on downs. And uh, the Jets pull off another upset. And I don't mean the Jets pulled, they themselves pulled off the ups, another upset. I mean, you know, in back-to-back undefeated games that were talk undefeated teams, Philly and San Francisco, back-to-back upsets here. I put 12 on the Eagles and I had nine on the 49ers. Lost both of those games. So that was a big chunk of my point total there. I could have had over 100 points this week. Nah, I topped out at 88. I went 11 and I went 10 and 5 this week. Very happy with that. But I only came away with 88 points because I lost 21 in those two games, uh, Philly and uh, and the Jets. So like I said, the, the Eagles, they got Miami on Sunday Night Football next week, and the Jets get to take this two-game winning streak and this upset win uh, into the bye. So, yeah, they also ruined me. Took that 12 points off my board and uh, gave me now 0-4 in the pick five, pick six this week. <laughs> and finally, Detroit at Tampa Bay. At least this one went, uh, you know, according to plan. And, um, you know, the, 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 the Buccaneers are wearing those old-school creamsicle uniforms. Uh, they were three and one coming off the bye. You got the four and one Lions coming into town. This is an old school NFC Central uh, division matchup because before they realigned the league back in two thousand two, uh, we played the Buccaneers twice a year. We as in the Bears uh, because it was us. Well, it was the NFC North and Tampa Bay. That was the old NFC Central. They used to be in our division, so we played them twice a year uh, from. 76 when they joined the league until the the realignment in 2002 when they became part of the new NFC South. But um, 
Starting off the game after trading punts, uh, the Bucks had their heels on their own goal line. And on the first play of their second drive, Baker Mayfield's pass was deflected at the line of scrimmage and picked off by linebacker Will Harris at the Tampa Bay 12-yard line. However, the Bucks' defense did hold, and the Lions were forced to settle for a field goal from Riley Patterson to make it 3 nothing. Then the two teams traded punts into the second quarter until the Bucks put a field goal of their own together um, from Chase McLaughlin, tying it at three. But the Lions answered that field goal drive with an A-play 75-yard uh, drive capped off by Amon Ross St. Brown's 27-yard TD catch and run to take the lead. Props to Craig Reynolds, uh, who I believe is a running back, uh, for, for making the big block that sprung St. Brown loose uh, for the touchdown, made it 10-3 to uh, at the half. And in the second half, the, uh, the Buccaneers uh, added a second Chase McLaughlin field goal to make it 10-6, only for the second time in that game for the Lions to answer a Buccaneer field goal with a touchdown drive. This time it was nine plays, 73 yards, and finished off when Jared, Jared Goff hit a 45-yard TD pass to Jamison Williams that would uh, then make it an insurmountable 17-6 uh, to six lead. Uh, the Lions would add one more Riley Patterson field goal in the fourth quarter to finish the scoring, make it 20-6, to six, uh, give them the win over the Buccaneers. Uh, second time this year that the Bucks have had a big test at home and the second time they failed. The first time was, uh, I believe, the Monday night game uh, against the Eagles where they got trounced uh, in that one. And then they had the other, you know, one of the other division leaders come into town. They got beat again uh, by the Lions this time. I was like, but they're still three and two, and they're still in first place uh, in the NFC North. Uh, the Lions at five and one are not only leading the North by a lot, uh, but they can now lay claim to being tied for the best record in the league with uh, San Francisco, Philly, Kansas City, and Miami. All of them are five and one, and and now that they're on the same plane with those other teams, they've beaten Kansas City, and uh, you know. They've already beaten Kansas City, so you're, they're already ahead of them. Uh, they can lay claim to now being one of the best teams, if not the best, uh, in the league. You know, they go on the road at Baltimore uh, next week. Tampa Bay, as uh, we talked about earlier, has a uh, an NFC North showdown with the Falcons at home uh, next week. So if they want to, they want to stay on top of the NFC North. They got to beat the Falcons uh, next Sunday, but. Uh, this was the one game out of the five pick six games that I actually got right this week. So, because in the uh, in the all out blitz, you only heard this one time in ten games. I went nine and one in the all out blitz, and that one loss was the goddamn Bears. Makes me angry, the damn Bears. Sorry, I'm I'm having fun and I'm aggravated all at the same time. But yeah, I went nine and one in the all out blitz and I went one for four uh in the pick six, uh, with the Lions being the only team that got it right for that's the last time I promise. So but yeah, there we go. That is your pick six for week number six. And uh that's gonna do it for the show, guys. Uh thanks for uh Picking this up on uh, Tuesday night or Wednesday, whenever you uh, dug it out. Again, I sorry with the uh, the late episode. My uh, cold was making its last hurrah. I'm, I'm mostly past the cough. 
uh, but I had a really bad sinus headache uh, today. So I was going to get up early this morning and record the show, get it out before lunch. But uh, yeah, sinuses wasn't having it. So I've been uh, just kind of chilling out in bed, taking taking ibuprofen and taking naps all day to try to get past this. Feeling good enough to do the show, so here I am again. I appreciate your patience. Um, so come back on uh, Thursday when we'll preview week seven. We'll only have three games in the pick six because we only got 13 uh, for this week seven uh, with six teams on the bye, and, uh, including uh, who did we who were we talking about before? I think not Cincinnati. Um, yeah, Cincinnati's on the bye. And I think, who else? The Jets are on the bye, among others, uh, that are going to be off uh, on Week 7. So come back on Thursday for the Week 7 preview as we are chugging right along. The first third of the season officially in the books. we got two-thirds left to go. Twelve more weeks, and the season's already over. God damn it. I hate that so much. I can't even begin to tell you. But come back on Thursday. We'll preview Week number 7. And then on Friday, We'll be previewing Bears Raiders for week number seven. And, uh, yeah, you know, the Raiders won last week. And, uh, you know, I, I, but I just, I don't know how to feel about this game. I really don't, you know, we're, we're not going to have Justin Fields. And, uh, I just, you know, again, it's a winnable game for the Bears, but I don't see how we win without Fields. But anyway, coming back Thursday, we'll talk about the, uh, the entire schedule. All 13 games, and then Friday we'll we'll go Bears, Raiders, and uh, preview that matchup and see if I'm ready to jump off a ledge. We'll go one and six after this one, but uh, come on back for all of that. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase. We will see you next time. Hear that? That's the sound of change being cooked up in our schools. Each day, school food professionals throughout California are working to make better meals for our kids, one tray at a time. These meal planning, sauce stirring, taste bud training professionals are making food for students from kindergarten to high school using fresher ingredients and flavors kids love. The secret ingredient to better school food in California? The dedicated professionals who are improving it every day. Learn more about how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.